0: If you have your Bible, go to 2 Peter 1. I'm going to jump around just a tad bit today. Um, I'm not going to do our escape room series. We escaped that series last Sunday. We're done with it. Um, But I, uh, I want to do something different. I want to pastor this morning. I want to pastor. I want to pastor. Because the evangelist will be here tonight. So... For for night of freedom, how many all excited about night of freedom at five o'clock? Boy, that's gonna be good. It's gonna be good. Uh, but I want to pastor, and I want to teach, and um, I've always, I've always just criticized myself for always saying I, I, I'm not a good teacher. I'm not a good teacher. Um, but um, I think God will help me teach. Because you can't really go wrong if you're talking about his word. You can't really go wrong talking about the word. So um, this is some stuff that I wish somebody would have told me a long time ago. Uh, before we get to 2 Peter 1, 1 Thessalonians 2.13 is on the screen. Check this out. Look what Paul said. For this cause we also, also thank we God without ceasing because... When you receive the word of God, underline word of God if you're a right in your Bible kind of person, when you receive the word of God, which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God. So there's a big difference between what men say and what God says. Hence it's called the word of God, which was written spoken and, of course, written again and then revealed through the voice of the Holy Spirit in accordance with the written word of God. He says, you received it not as the word of men. You didn't, you didn't take what God said as, ah, it's coming from a man. You took it as truth, the word of God, comma. Look what he says. Which effectually worketh. Everybody say, work it. Work it, work it not worketh. Say, "Work it." He said, it effectually worketh also in you that believe. Now, a few things I want you to see about what Paul said. First of all, when talking about the word, he said it's got to be heard. Everybody say heard. He said you've got to hear it. That's why you're here this morning. You're here to worship, and in part of that worship, in a worship gathering, according to your Bible in the New Testament, when people gather together and worship, there was a reading, a teaching, an exhortation, of the Word. It was the whole reason they were there. That's the whole reason any of this even exists is because of the Word. We didn't wake up one day and go, hey, let's start a church that's centered around people coming together and having a good time. And we'll throw Jesus in there somewhere. And I'll read a Reader's Digest or I'll read something I'll print off the Internet. No, it's all about the Word. So the Word is the hub. It's, it's the very center of everything that is built around it. So you really can't have any of this stuff that we have in Christianity or church without a word, and that's what people were doing. They were coming to hear the word. So you have to hear the word. After you hear the word, Paul says, it's got to be received. He says, you received it, not as men or as coming from man. You received it like it was coming from God. So you have to receive it, which means you don't reject it. So a lot of people hear the word. Plenty of people this morning are going to hear the word, but not everybody's going to receive the word. Receive means with openness, you allow the seed to be planted. All right? So here's what I'm doing. I'm a farmer throwing seed. The reason we do that worship the way we do it is that team of anointed worship leaders is tilling up the ground. They're getting the soil in this environment soft. They're getting your heart open, soft, receptive. I'm getting up here with the seed of the word, and I'm tossing it. I'm planting it. Now, if you don't have it open, you're not in a place, you've heard it. Everybody in this room, unless you walk out right now, you're going to hear it. And then the next step is you receive it. You allow it to take root. You, all right, I got that. I, rec- I receive that. I receive. That's why they spell, I receive that. You know, they receive it. They, they want it. I'm, I'm going to take that and use it. I ain't going to just hear it. I ain't going to hear it. James talked about that. Don't be a hearer. Be a doer of it. So let it, let it sink in. Hear it, receive it. He says, because when you do, look what he said, it effectually worketh also in you. Now that it's in you, it's going to work. That word, effectually worketh, it's actually a phrase. You, you, can't, you can't separate the two words, effectually and worketh. You can't, you can't separate those words in the Greek. It's actually one phrase. It's effectually worketh. It's energeo. Energeo is the Greek word. Which is where we get our English word energy. And that word energy or energeo means to be operative while it's in you. It means to be at work while it's in you. It means to have an effect while it's in you. So you heard it, you've received it, now you receive it, it's in you and it's working in you. And here's what the word does. It works on you, it works in you, and after it works in you, it begins to work through you. Are you with me with my prepositions there? It works on you. It works in you and then it works through you. Tell somebody the word still works. works. The word still works, okay? It still works. In 2019, 2,000 years later, it still works. Can I get a witness? It still works. It was translated in the English language from Hebrew and Greek in the year 1611, retranslated again, 1669. We've had updated revisions and modifications of that English word. It's in tons and tons of different languages, and it still works in 2019 just like it did when God uttered and spoke those words into existence. Now, here's the sad truth. Are you ready for this? A lot of people don't like it. A lot of people do not like it. Society tries to make fun of it. Religion has polluted it. The devil perverts it. And here's the saddest thing about everything I just said. Christians don't know it. They don't know it. They don't know it. And and, and here's what's funny is uh, when you look at the Garden of Eden, Eve didn't know it. She didn't know it because I know she didn't know it because when she went to that dialogue with the devil who was hanging from a tree looking like a python, trying to get her to eat whatever that fruit was. It wasn't an apple because there ain't no apple that worth it. It It's probably a chocolate-covered strawberry hanging from that tree. He, he, He lures her in, tempts her, and then she goes to quote the word, and she misquotes it. When I say she was quoting the word, she was quoting what God said. God said these things about the tree of knowledge of good and evil. God said these things about all the other trees of the garden. God said this about Eden. Now, what Eve did when she quoted it, she misquoted it and She said, God said you can't even touch it. God never said that. He didn't say that. She added to what God said. Sometimes we add to or we subtract. What's funny is she didn't know the word. The devil used the word but twisted what it said. You won't surely die. God just said that because he knows when the day comes where you actually eat it, you'll be like him, knowing good and evil. He didn't want you to know those kind of things. See, he twisted it. And what's funny is Adam didn't use it. Adam was standing there with her the whole time. Did you know that? We always have this depiction like in the little kids' books. Eve's over there like, oh, and Adam's, you know, over there like working in the garden. No, it says when she took the fruit she gave to her husband with her with her. He was standing there. So she didn't know it. The devil twisted it and Adam didn't even use it. He just stood there and didn't say anything. He didn't even speak up. He allowed this thing to happen. So people don't know it. People don't use it. They don't know how bad they need it. Can I say they don't know how bad they need it? Listen, from the moment you got born again in your spiritual birth, the moment you became a Christian, you you need God's word, all right? And, and and, And God actually compares his word to, like, food, nourishment. It's what you need to grow. The whole goal of the baby when it's born is to grow. Nobody brings a baby home from the hospital like, It'll figure it out. No, you got to feed it because the goal is we want it to grow. We want it to grow up. And the goal when you get born again is to grow, which means you got to eat. And so it talks about how we start off as babies and we have a desire for the sincere milk of the word. The reason the word milk is used is because that's all a baby can eat. There's nothing an infant can do with a T-bone steak. There's nothing, a toddler, a little tiny toddler with no teeth, he'll just go. (laughs) And you're like, what are you doing? You can't eat that. (laughs) Have you ever noticed there's some things when I'm up here talking about them, you're like, I get that. And there's some things I'm talking about, you're going, I can't chew that up. It shows you where you're at at the table. You see what I'm saying? And it's okay. Some of us are baby Christians. Some of us are 45 years old, have been saved 10 years, but you're still on milk. Amen. You're still on milk because you've never eaten. You, like, were born, and then you sat there in the crib like, I'm going to heaven, and that's it. But you never grew. And some of us have learned how, you know, we, we went from milk to Gerber to Air Puffs, and, and then uh, I don't remember what kids eat after that. Like, I, I, I see, that's why I don't eat. I got four. No more. It's like Air Puffs. Here's some steak. No, that's a bad idea. Peanut butter and jelly maybe. But you graduate and you move on. And so people have to grow. If you're not eating, you don't grow. And so a lot of people come here and they, they, they just want, they want a golden corral experience. They want, they want some warm milk over here. They want some chocolate pudding. They, they love it when we have cake. We'll have cake tonight. Everybody will love it. But not everybody likes the green beans because, you know, not everybody likes cabbage and not everybody likes pinto beans, but you need all of it. You need all of it, all right? And so a lot of us don't understand how bad we need it, and a lot of us don't understand even how it works. We don't understand how it works. We don't, we don't know. We don't understand that it still works, society and Christianity, the church, especially in the Bible Belt, has no idea how bad this thing really does work or how how well it works and how bad they need for it to work in their own life because a lot of people gravitate to God and they gravitate to church through other means of connecting with God that have nothing to do with the Word. Some people, a lot of people, they gravitate to church or they gravitate to God because of a certain program a church has versus what another church doesn't have. Forget, forget the gravity in which the word is being communicated. It's, do they have something for my kids? Okay, that's the filter you're using. To train up your child in the way they should go, or how convenient is it? Is it three minutes from the house, or do I have to drive 26 minutes from the house? Or, or, or it's, um, it's social connections. Do I know anybody that goes there? Okay, well Jesus goes there, and he's he's going to be talked about. So let's start there with whether or not we want to go there. You see what I'm saying? They gauge that on who do I know? Who knows me? How many friendships do I have? Are you going this Sunday? I'm not going if you're going. Okay, well, Jesus again is going to be there. You see what I'm saying? Or, or, or how theatrical or how, or how traditional it is. And what they do is they, they, they just set a filter of preferences because we've, we've gotten used to selecting everything online through a filter of preferences and we check what we want and then we hit search and we want God to populate the church of our choice. Forget... The word. Like that's the last part. Like you get there and everything, everything's accommodated. Do you like it? Did you like it? Did they feed you good? Was it good? Was it warm? Was it cold? Did they have coffee? Did they have sugar and cream? Did they have stevia? How was it, was it exactly what I wanted? Did they park us? Did, are they going to call us? Are they going to come to our house? It, can I have a relationship with the preacher? Am I am going to have a cell phone number? Am I not going to have a cell phone number? Do they have a good staff? Forget the word. You see what I'm saying? That's dangerous. That's dangerous. And see, we, we, don't, we don't understand how big of a deal God's word is. Now, even I get caught up in all this stuff because I am trying to be a Christian leader in this 21st century society I'm talking about, and it's hard to keep this perspective right. God's word's a very big deal. In fact, what's cool, the apostle Peter had a grip on how big of a deal God's word was and how it really worked. And, and, and here's something he said, and I'm going I'm to spit this out here, okay? I've just been running rabbits, but we've been having rabbit stew so far. Everybody's eating, all right? I want to show you what he says in 2 Peter chapter 1. Joe, I forgot half of my illustration, so just don't, don't worry about that right now. I, or you just follow my lead. We'll see what happens. 2 Peter 1, verse 16. Look at this. It's on the screen. Are you ready to learn something? This should have been in a Christianity 101 disclosure course the day you got saved. Somebody should have signed you up for one and then told you this stuff right here. Somebody should have showed you this right off the bat. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's talking about the first time he came. He said, we didn't make up a whole bunch of crazy stories. This isn't Aesop's Fables. This is legit stuff that happened. When we we told you about this, we, we were talking about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But look what he says. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. We saw him. Of course he did. It's Peter writing here, okay? We saw him. For he received from God the Father honor and glory. When there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory... This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Does anybody know when that happened? Somebody, when did that happen? When did, when did they hear or when was that voice from heaven, the Father, when did he say, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased? When did that happen? The baptism of Christ. God the Father pulled the clouds back and spoke that. And this voice, which came from heaven, we heard. When we were with him in the holy mount, Matthew 17, they went up on the mountain Peter, James, and John, he said, we heard the Father speak again, just the three of us up there with Jesus on the mountain. We heard him speak again. Look what he says in verse 19. We have also a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto you do well that you take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. I'm going to bring you back there and explain that to you. Knowing this first, okay, so maybe we need to start right here. That no prophecy or revelation or enlightenment, no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Now, you don't realize what you just read, but I'm going to break it down for you. We're going to cut this steak up, and for everybody in this room that needs to drink it, we're going to put it in a blender, and we're all going to eat. Okay? we all going to eat. Peter is drawing our attention to the value of God's word. And we don't know that. We don't don't know that at first glance, but we're about to figure out how valuable this word is. In fact, he goes on to make some very revealing and shocking comments about God's word that will shock most Christians, that will blow them out of the water. You don't even realize it, but I'm going to show it to you. First, I I want to show you this. Your Bible is inspired. Everybody say inspired. Your Bible is inspired, okay? This is where he starts, verse 20. Knowing this first. That no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. What he says right there is, man didn't come up with this. This is crazy. Because I remember talking to a a boss I had in the secular world. He goes, how do you even know that the Bible is what God said it was? God actually goes out of his way to tell us how the Bible came to existence. And tell us how we know the word is what God said it is. He says, The Bible didn't come with some man's private interpretation where some guy was sitting around and said, I'm going to write this out. For the prophecy came not in time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. The Bible is God's word because it's divinely inspired. Two things very quickly, I'm going to move on. The word is inspired by using men of God. Okay, that's what you need to understand. This Bible is inspired because God used men to write it. In fact, Peter says they were moved by the Holy Ghost. In a lot of cases, they were speaking the word, and there was somebody recording and writing what the guy was saying. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit moved. The word move has has this effect. It's like a gust of wind moving something, blowing upon something, breathing upon something. And the Bible says the Holy Spirit pushed upon these guys. And it brought to mind, it prompted them, now say this. All right, now write this. Okay, put a period there. Okay, go down, start a new sentence. Okay, we're going to do a new train of thought. I want you to write this. And word for word, the Spirit of God expressly and specifically spoke and moved these guys to write the Word of God. So it was inspired using men of God, but you have to understand it was inspired from the very mind of God. What comes out of the mouth of God started in the mind of God. And how do we know that? Because it came from the Holy Ghost. Remember our series, Unknown? We talked about how the Holy Spirit is God. God's a triune triune being, okay? Father, Son, and Spirit. And the spirit, it, 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 spirit is what communicates the mind of God. So your Bible is inspired. You need to know this is not a history book. It's not a textbook. This is an inspired heavenly, divinely orchestrated manual that you have in your hand. This is a supernatural book that was inspired from a supernatural creator. Your Bible is inspired. Secondly, your Bible is important. Buckle up. Your Bible is important. Notice what he says, verse 16. We have not followed cunningly devised fables, when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Underline eyewitnesses. For he received from God the Father honor and glory. When there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard, underline heard, when we were with him, underline with him, in the mount. He says, okay, we saw him. We saw him. In fact, the apostle John says in his letter of 1 John, we touched him. We handled him with our hands. We saw him. He says, we heard the father speak about him. He says, we were even in the mountain with him. And I'm going to take you there in a second, what, they ha- what happened on the mountain. And then Peter has the guts to say this. We also have a more sure word of prophecy. Do you know what he just said? He said this word, the scripture, that's the context of the scripture. Our scripture is more trustworthy than any of those experiences. What? He said that. He said we have a more sure word. That word sure means trusted or trustworthy. Here's what Peter was saying. And I wrote this down and you might want to write this down or go back and listen to the sermon and write this down. The inspired scriptures, Old Testament and New Testament, the inspired scriptures are the most trusted source of information I've ever received from God, and it is my final authority on all matters in life and eternity. I'm going to read that again. The inspired scriptures are the most trusted source of information I've ever received from God, and it is my final authority on all matters in life and eternity. The Bible that I have in my hand is more important than anything I see. It's more important than anything I see. He says, we told y'all about the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We were eyewitnesses. We saw it with our own eyes. But then he goes on to say, even though we saw this with our own eyes, what God gave us in his word is a greater authority than what I even saw with my eyes. Do you know what that says to us? That means no matter what you and I see with our eyes, no matter what hellish or heavenly activity we experience our greatest authority is what does god word what does god's word say about what we see let me say this you are going to see see some things in christianity you're going to see some things in church you're going to see some things on christian television you're going to see some things on youtube you are going to see something. I've had this on me for about two months. I've been wanting to have this talk, but I couldn't do it. You are going to see some things, and it may be of God what you see, but no matter what you see with your eye, it is never your final authority because your scripture is. Your word, His word, is your most trusted authority, and the word has to be the filter. Okay, I see that. Maybe God's in that. And if He's not, I'll know it because I'll see it in the authority that I have. What does His Word say? That's a filter you have to use for everything that you see in your life. There's so much that applies right there, not just Christianity, but life itself. Is what I see line up with what He said? That's all I got to look at. That's my authority. Not, oh, I saw this. No. Peter says, hey, i tell you what we saw, but we have a more sure word of, uh, uh, of authority right here in the word. That's a statement. So ask yourself, did what I see line up with scripture? Number two, it's more important than anything I hear. It's more important than anything I, I hear. He says, we received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He says, we heard that same voice when we were on the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus took Peter, James, and John, went up to a mountain, and he was transfigured, which means his, his countenance, his whole body was, 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 was celestial. He was transfigured into his celestial or heavenly state as Christ, and he was sitting there having a conversation with Moses and Elijah in their heavenly state. And Peter and James and John are sitting there, and Peter's like, you know, Peter's always speaking up out of turn. Whenever, whenever, whenever the glory just gets really, really thick, somebody's going to speak up at a turn. Just mark it down. Anyway, uh, and so it's just, it's just thick. It's all, and, and the Bible says in Matthew 17, and Peter answered. And it's funny because nobody's asking him a question. Peter answered and said, Lord, it's good for us to be here. Let's build three tabernacles. His theology is so off at this point. Oh, he's, still, he's still got fish on the brain. Let's build three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And God the Father says, this is my son, hear ye him. In other words, Pete, shut up. <laughs> They're talking. Listen. And when they hear that voice and that cloud overshadows them, all three disciples like hit the, hit the deck. Ah, you know, scared. He says, we heard that voice. And he says, we heard the father Speak. From heaven. I had such an experience where I heard God speak. And then he goes on to write, through the inspired Spirit of God, my scripture is a greater authority than if I think the heavens opened up and spoke to me. He's not saying it didn't. He's saying my scripture is my final authority. So I wrote this down You may hear some things, and it may be God, but it is never your final authority. You're going to hear some preachers say some things. You're going to hear people say some things. You ever had somebody pull this on you right here? Hey, brother, I want to tell you something. God told me to tell you. I'm like, I mean, you got my attention. Because I wish he would have told me that. Because I was just talking to him about that, and he didn't say that. And I'm not saying God doesn't speak through people. I'm not saying that. I mean, obviously, you're up here hearing me talk, hoping God's going to speak through me. And I'm not not discounting that because God has done that many, many times, many times through me. What I'm saying is, that's great, let me go check my authority because if you just told, if I just heard something that contradicts my filter, God is not, Paul said God is not the author of confusion. So it doesn't matter what I see, what's the word say about it? Doesn't matter what I hear. Y'all, I have been to some church services where I have seen some things. I have heard some things. And I remember leaving going, that, that doesn't say. and everybody was acting like it was a, a a thing. Like when the dude said that, everybody was like, yeah. Amen. And I was like, Ugh. and then I got I got thinking about me when I was an idiot preaching? And the things I said, and people were like, yeah. And then I left, and God's like, that's not in my word. That came from Derek. That came from a stupid place in a stupid man. That, that wasn't me. So the Bible's more important than anything I see. It's more important than anything I hear. Look at this. He says, we were with him in the mount. Do you know when they freaked out and hit the ground? Ah! The Bible says Jesus came and touched them and said, "It's all right, y'all get up." So, my Bible is more important than anything I feel. It's more important than anything I feel. You ever feel anything in this room? Doesn't it feel good, huh? Doesn't it feel good? Doesn't drugs feel good? You can't use the word feel without directly attaching it to flesh. Feel cannot be connected to spirit. You can't connect the word feel to spirit because your spirit don't get goosebumps. It your your spirit is a spirit. It has no body. This flesh is your body. And I felt that. And he said, he doesn't say you won't feel nothing. You have a body. Obviously, you're going to feel something. That's the wonderful thing about being created in the image of God is we have emotions and what we can feel, we can express, and I can feel things. But we don't live by feelings because feelings can be misleading. I, there, there, I could I could, I could hit a random playlist right now and play certain music and make you feel certain things. Yep. Yep. Play that song "Stay" by Sugarland. <laughs> play uh, "September" by Earth, Wind, and Fire. Woo! Yeah. Play uh, play up. Pray. "Get Low" by Lil John. Make you feel something. Am I right? Make you feel, you, so, so, so you're going to feel some things, and it may be God, but it's never your final authority. So did what I see line up with Scripture? Did what I hear line up with Scripture? I'm just saying, this. Peter said, this is your more sure word. This is more sure than any of those experiences, even what I feel. So, so here, here's, where, here's where you start to graduate in your Christianity is where you start taking all the things you feel and you start going, now what did God say about that? Because this is what he gave me as my authority so I will know. So I wrote this down. Understand this. I can see, hear, and feel something and it be of God. I can see, hear, and feel something and it not be of God. My Bible is my final authority on anything I see, hear, and feel. And if you remember right, Eve allowed what she saw, what she heard, and what she felt to take authority over what God said, and she got messed up, all right? So your Bible is inspired. Your Bible is important. Lastly, your Bible is illuminating. I'm done. It's illuminating. He said this. You have this sure word. It's more sure than any of these experiences that we had. He says this. You would do well. Look at verse 19. Verse 19. You do well that you take heed. Uh, You would do well to pay attention to it. You would do well to do something with it. Because if you'll do something with this word that works, if you'll do something with it, it's like a light that shines in a dark place. And it's going to shine until that day when you are brand new in Christ, redeemed with a new body, and the day start to rise in your hearts. Until that day comes, this Bible is your flashlight in the dark places of life. And I wrote this down. I wrote this around. The Word is like a light in your darkness. Because as the Holy Spirit that brings it to life. He turns on the flashlight. And that flashlight, this is your flashlight. The world is darkness. A lot of truth is darkness that needs to be illuminated. This is your flashlight. Listen to me. There is no way to navigate this planet, this life, your workplace, your marriage, your parenting, your Christianity, your membership at this church, your finances, your gifts. You cannot navigate the dark without your flashlight. That is all I came to tell you today. Like you got to have this. It's inspired, it's important, but you got to turn it on. People stumbling through the dark. Hit the lights. Stumbling through the dark. Trying, you see, this is this is going to be difficult. Can we kill all of them? We can't kill all of them. Can? Oh. Yes. No light. No light. Now that, that is scary. This makes preaching pretty easy. How would y'all like me to do every sermon like this? We're sitting here, I'm in the middle of preaching, and all of a sudden, man, you bring the lights back on, and I'm just, I mean, I'm like right up in somebody's face. Like, just right here in it, man, just, what's up? Ooh. Now, here's the deal. It's a world of difference. I told my staff, I said, y'all got to find me a flashlight. I was like, I got a smartphone. What am I thinking? <laughs> now, now, look, th- this, is, this is literally, this is how a lot of us are trying to navigate life right now. It's hard to do because you, you don't know where you're going. You can't make sense of anything. But isn't it crazy that P- Peter said the word? Everybody say word. Is like light shining in a dark place. It's very I, now I now I know how to navigate all of my problems because it, when I'm trying to navigate problems, the word gives me discernment. Are you listening? When I'm, when, I'm, when I'm trying to navigate problems, it's the word that illuminates my discernment. And now I know how to make the right decision. All right? When, 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 I'm, when I'm trying to navigate a dark path, it's the word that gives me direction. Yes, sir. Are you hearing me? I don't know. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. I don't know who to marry. I don't know where to work. I don't know what house to buy. I don't know what kind of car to buy. I don't know. Path. Good. I don't know what to do next. I don't know where to go. The word gives you direction. Are you with me? See, it illuminates. And it also illuminates all the dark predicaments. All the things where you feel like you are stuck. Can we bump up against the escape series real quick? When you're like, I don't know what to do about this. I don't know how to get out of this. Guess what the word does? It shows you the way out. Ah, you like that? It gives you the way out. It gives you deliverance. Bring them lights on. I'm going to get hurt or break something up here. Here's the deal. You're, I'm done. Here's the deal. You can only see in the dark if you turn the light on. Yes. Yes. It's like a fool walk around this auditorium in the dark. I have done it before. My shins have cussed me trying to get through this auditorium in the dark, left my phone in that office, and I tried to navigate this thing. And one of these jokers around here that work here left a chair somewhere in the middle and then just, bam, right there. And I, I, I'm not going to leave my flashlight and walk into a dark place. This is it. This isn't as simple. You've got to turn it on, okay? And Look, it only works when you turn it on. You see what I did there? You see what I did there? He said it works. It still works. Well, it only works if you turn it on. It only works if you turn it on. It's, it's inspired, and it's important, but it's also the key to you making it through the dark. It's, it's illuminating. That's why the psalmist said this, thy word is a lamp under my feet and a light under my path it only works if you turn it on